0: Everybody and welcome back to the WTF One Podcast, the Monaco Grand Prix Race Review Edition. Now I had to do that intro because Matt isn't here. I hope I did it service, but yeah, Matt's away on holidays. But I am joined by Mr. Monaco, Tom Bellingham. Tommy, how are you doing after that chaotic Monaco Grand Prix?
1: It's quite the nickname, Mr. Monaco, isn't that? Wasn't that Graham Hill? Graham Hill. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'll take it. Uh it's unfortunately, I haven't won the Monaco Grand Prix multiple times, but I do enjoy the Monaco Grand Prix. I did like your intro very much because to be fair, if Matt had been doing the intro, it would be a lot more somber, I imagine.
0: That's true. Yes. Lots of people probably going to think that maybe Matt's given this one a skip because he's just so heartbroken over the clock. curse continuing but no he is getting a tan on holiday so we'll let him off uh now before we get into our thoughts on the race and everybody's three word race reviews just a quick shout out to say that this podcast is once again sponsored by elgato our season-long partners and making us sound almost like professionals with all this fantastic equipment Let's dive in to the three-word race reviews. We have got Kenji.MK saying Ferrari master plan. Sounds a little bit of sarcasm. It's sarcasm, in there. Yeah. yeah. We've got Sai Pranath saying redemption for Checo. Paul.1103, Ferrari strategy circus and um Diano Universo Monaco needs rain. You've picked some really great ones. You to did read very there. well
1: there. Well done. Thanks you said you were going to butch them. You, you nailed all four.
0: Well, thanks. Than I'll man. just wait for the people to message me back and be like, that's not how you pronounce it. But yeah. Okay. Well, they're the uh, three-word race reviews from fans. Tommy, what are your first thoughts on that first race? First
1: thoughts. Yeah, um, spicing it up. It was good, especially for Monaco. We <laughs> it were was all good. It was it was good. That's not my three-word race review. Uh Monaco, I think that's about as good of a race as you're gonna get at Monaco these days. We all know that perhaps not particularly well suited to modern Formula One cars, uh, however much I like it and think it is just a one what a one-off novelty kind of race for the calendar that I wouldn't want them all to be like that, but uh, it's a little bit different. And the fact that you know the rain shower we'll go into this, but a little bit frustrating at the start uh, made you wonder, oh why does it always rain too much? Um, and then yeah, a lot of, a fair bit of passing and you know lots of strategy, chaos drama even the end uh not everyone will agree on this but I thought it was super tense uh just the fact that you know you, where do you ever see four leading cars nose to tail were it like even though it's hard to pass like science could have gone for that dive bomb any moment and yeah it's a really cool race and actually I was up um in Leeds uh with a couple of my mates from Leeds. uni Leeds Leeds Leeds, Leeds. Leeds, Leeds. and uh his i was watching with a couple of uni mates who don't watch formula one uh, and one of my uni mates uh daughter was watching it as well about five years old and she was hooked she was absolutely loving it never watched formula one race before she could not take her eyes off it she was like reacting to everything um so i think i've converted a new formula one fan in the process as well good times
0: has she joined team wtf1
1: (laughs) no that's the next stage
0: Next step. Okay, I see. Do it in gentle steps. There we go. Yeah. We'll make it work. Right, so talking of that race and Sergio Perez taking victory, <laughs> um, let's go for my three-word race review first, which is Checo Championship Contender. Now, for this three-word race review, I've literally just written these notes. Checo wins in Monaco. Happy Katie. Woo-woo. So that's kind of my, <laughs> my summary of it Thank all. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> Exactly. So Sergio Perez took his third F1 career victory um, and... Unfortunately for Charlotte Clerk, it kind of came about as the fact of Ferrari messing up the strategy, which we'll go into later on the podcast. But yeah, I'm just absolutely elated for my boy Sergio. Said in the um, little chat with Christian Horner beforehand, a few fans picked up on social media that it sounded like he said, perhaps I signed too early, which is my slightly in reference to a contract. Obviously, um, at the moment, he hasn't got a deal for next year, but surely with the performance that we've seen so far this season and now securing that win in Monaco, his stake has got to be pretty high and his shares pretty high in Red Bull.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, it's very surprising, you know, with the greatest respect to Checo Prez, I didn't see it coming. I don't think even the biggest Sergio Prez fans or, you know, people that back Prez to the hills could maybe see this coming because last year, the the fact that not not him winning monaco just the fact that he is genuinely in this title fight now and uh, he's having a fantastic year i mean his story by the way at the end of 2020 look, looking like he'd have no drive uh and he'd be out of formula 1 and then you had that win in not you in unbelievable one of the, one of the best wins in f1 you know the fact that he came from like last to winner it. and it that race it seemed like it was he was really emotional on the podium and it almost felt like it was a, oh, well, at least I've retired with a win. I've got a win now. You know, I can, I I'm happy. And his career arc is just like, it's still going, you know, not, not many people like hit their peak. Uh, what would it have been? 10, nine, nine years. So like 10th season is it in F1. Um and who'd have thought at the end of 2020 we'd be sat here saying that one he's a Monaco race winner and two he is he is genuinely in this title. It's I, I don't think anyone saw that coming. It's brilliant.
0: I love it. You know, you did a tweet yesterday because away from Monaco, Marcus Ericsson also won the Indy 500, which is amazing. And yeah, when you think back to. 2018 or wherever it may be and thinking well Sergio Perez is actually going to go to Red Bull and he's going to win the Monaco Grand Prix and he's actually going to potentially be in a championship title fight and Marcus Ericsson's going to go over to IndyCar and he's going to win the Indy 500 you'd be like what like multiverse are you talking about here? Like this is absolutely mental. So yeah, just thrilled for Checo. We got to see an awesome dive into the swimming pool, which is something we were kind of robbed of when Verstappen won last year because they didn't have the flow to home. Um, but yeah, oh, I'm just so happy. And now I can kind of say that like all my faves have kind of won in Monaco with Rosberg and then Ricardo. And now Perez, all I need is that Ocon. On victory in Monaco, but we <laughs> might be a bit far off of that, so I won't get too greedy. Yeah. yeah, let's go to some questions. First one being from our lovely team WTF1 member Mags, who said if Red Bull hadn't pulled team orders in Spain, Checo would only be one point behind Max. Standings would be Verstappen 118 points, Perez 117 points and the Clerk 116 points. Whilst it's very early and then said in brackets and they might already consider themselves committed to Max, do you think Red Bull would consider switching team leaders or at least letting them race each other directly more often? That has been one of the questions that we've seen a lot when you asked for questions yesterday, talking about whether Checo is in that championship fight now. Obviously, I made that my three word race review but do you think that perhaps Red Bull are maybe going to try and have to share eggs into both baskets now rather than just kind of putting them all in Team Max and Checo kind of being that really reliable wingman because he's showing some pretty fast pace and great potential so far this year
1: he is uh that that I mean I'm still adamant that whether Prez could have held off Max if they'd let them race, obviously Max on a much better tyres um, in that in that race. And you think if his DRS was working, he probably could have got by anyway. But it is still fascinating that even just last week, we we all kind of said, we can see why they did the team orders. Prez isn't in this title, really. Um, you think that you know they're going to have to maximise Max because of the problems that he's had and to be fair you know Max has had an extra DNF of course uh, yeah. in in um, Melbourne uh, obviously they've both I retired am? from Bahrain so you kind of even there but then if you factor in you know more luck you could say that Prez was extremely unlucky in Saudi Arabia not to win he, he got no. shafted by the safety car and he, he put it on pole and he is you know, if luck had gone his way, he could genuinely be leading this world title, and that is absolutely unbelievable. Can't can't be said enough how like surpri- surprising it is, really. Because last year, uh, Verstappen, it, it felt like that second seat is just a seat that you just you just never beat Verstappen, right? Uh, everyone yeah, in that seat has like never got anywhere poisoned. near him.
0: Chalice.
1: Yeah, but even when even when Sergio was doing well, it was always like second behind max or whatever and get picking up podiums and things but yeah I think for them to switch I think I think they they keep him in it but I think in order for them to switch team leaders I think Verstappen would have to be a long way out of the title for them to go right you're number one now Checo um I think that would be quite a stretch uh yeah. it would it'd have to be yeah Verstappen's had like six DNFs in a row and is not is not any chance of winning the title um but it does create a very interesting situation at Red Bull now
0: it does and uh, yeah like you say I think it's going to take a few more DNFs for them to fully go team Checko. obviously Max is the reigning world champion he will probably get priority because of that And for the longest time, as you say, with that second Red Bull seat, we have seen drivers in there that have maybe just been a bit too young and naive in that seat and haven't been able to really do what Checo is doing. Um, But Christian Horner, you know, he is a team boss with a lot of experience He's dealt with like the multi-21 days when they had Seb and they had Weber. And that was a case of two extremely competitive drivers, maybe one that was described as the golden boy. And um, how he maybe handled Weber in hindsight might not have been the best way. But, you know, Formula One is a championship. It's a sport at the end of the day um, and it can't all be rainbows and fluffy clouds and unicorns, can it? Sometimes it has got to be brutal when those decisions have got to be made. But yeah, for the, for the moment, I'm just so elated and happy to see Checo out there living his best
1: life. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I mean, we've got Baku next as well. And uh, I know. we all know what happens uh, in Baku. Well, the- Checo won it last year, but also the fact that Red Bulls, Mm. battling together in Baku you know how that ends so you never know we'll see it's going to be a very fascinating to see how that that turns out
0: I'm really looking forward to it I really love Baku it's one of my favorite tracks on the calendar um but I don't think that's a particularly unpopular opinion it normally produces pretty wacky racing uh now next question is from Edek GB. He says, "With Checo being so close, will Red Bull give him a genuine shot at the title? At least for now, it seems reckless to put all your effort into getting Max a title when Checo has been fantastic so far this season." I promise this isn't my burner account, um, <laughs> but yeah, pretty much similar to the last one. You know, we've seen that Sergio has taken a massive step forward this year, um, and perhaps with the more competitive machinery, like and Sergio actually performing in the car then the narrative could change I guess but for now I can't see it them just going yep yeah, Sergio you're our man you are Monaco you did a cool dive in the pool championship is yours honey Max <laughs> getting you can be clean in the box now we don't need you like that's not going to happen is it
1: no and Monaco is an anomaly at the end of the day that's not yeah. this is not to take Anything away from Sergio Prez. He he has been absolutely fantastic this weekend. And for anyone, we said it earlier, no one has beaten Max Verstappen in that. Like, like he's he has he just completely like Verstappen was nowhere near him all weekend, nice. even all the practice sessions. Verstappen could not could not challenge him. And that is credit to to Prez for a brilliant drive. But Monaco is such a unique race. I think we need to see when we're on more normal circuits and inverted commas, if, if Sergio is beating Max then, or at least, you know, like taking points off him and things like that, that is when, yeah, that's when we can start discussing this because one thing that's very interesting is the fact that if you look at 2007 is a great example, uh, Ferrari snuck that title because essentially they only had to worry about Kimi Räikkönen and the two McLarens were fighting each other and taking points off each other and then Kimi swooped in at the end and took the title by a point if Perez and Verstappen are fighting each other that could that could help Leclerc here in the title race because that, that inter-team battle you could argue that it's not necessarily that science is out of it yet definitely not but if they have that that luxury of Leclerc being in the title race on his own and Red Bull have to start getting a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, because I think Sergio Perez, uh, he's been happy to play like second fiddle because he hasn't been on the pace. But now he's got that sniff of that championship. We saw what it was like with Ocon and Jensen Button as his teammate. I know he's matured a lot since then, but I don't think he's going to lie down and just accept the fact that Uh, a title could be his and I can't believe we're saying this because I think going into the season I said this in one of the podcasts that Max's biggest benefit this is before we knew the pecking order I thought the biggest benefit for Max in the championship fight would be the fact that Carlos and Leclerc yes, would
0: take I points
1: off each other and the two Mercedes would take points off each other. And Max, you know, he always gets the best out of the car and he's always going to pick up the best results. And if anything, it's been the other way around.
0: Crazy, isn't it? Well, um, from that, let's talk about the Ferraris because... Oh. Yeah, it's uh, we, we've made up a, a three-word race review for Matt. We guessed it, which was more Leclerc heartbreak. So, Matt, if you're listening, sorry if that's not what you would have gone with, but, you know, we we thought you might be a little bit predictable, so we went for that one. <laughs> but tell me, what did you go for for your three-word race review for Monaco? Uh,
1: I went for Ferrari, strategy, fail. And boy, FSF. did they fail.
0: Yes, <laughs> <FSF> they did. <do. laughs>
1: sounds like uh yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Ferrari have an amazing car. And I imagine this is the thing that the Tifosi were most worried about is that strategy could cost them when, when they have those races, we saw a very brief moment of it in Imola mm. uh, where they pitted, in my opinion, quite odd to pit Leclerc quite early to go for fastest lap uh, and not settling for the points. Um, but that was very small in comparison to this, and the fact that Monaco is all about strategy. Leclerc, Leclerc had that race won. He was he had such a healthy lead. He even had Science as a rear gunner behind him. Um, it, that was Ferrari's race to win. You know, at least winning with Leclerc, even if they couldn't get Science to hold off the other Red Bulls. And this is the thing that Ferrari, if. For I want to win the title. They need to get right. And it's such a huge error from Ferrari that they either had to commit to dries and keep Leclerc out and put dries on when it dried up. Or if they were going to do the inters thing, they had to react to Perez immediately. Yeah, And they dawdled about and they didn't react quick enough. And then essentially they ended up doing neither of the things that they needed to do. And that just meant Yeah, like they lost the race and it was heartbreaking, really. That's the first time I've seen Leclerc truly angry at Ferrari. Um, Normally he's the one beating up himself, isn't he, after races when he's made a mistake. But that's the first time I've seen Leclerc really, really furious with Ferrari and who can blame him.
0: Exactly. Like you say, I think that was pretty much a guaranteed Leclerc victory, which as much as, you know, I'm here happy for Checo and it's a lovely news story. There's a part of me that is just so heartbroken for Charlotte. Leclerc. sorry, my dog keeps tippy tappying around. If you can hear background noise, Oscar, sit down. Um, yeah, it was ridiculous what Ferrari were doing. I mean, with Ferrari and their strategy, like I was thinking about this earlier, they're the only team which have like a collection of memes and reaction picks around their strategy calls, like for people ready to share them, whether that's like clown faces of people on the pit wall or whether i've got one on my phone that's like strategy or something like that and something pointing down like yeah. there is a meme pack if you like for when <laughs> ferrari bulls up their strategy and that's the only team on the grid that i can think of that have such a thing so you know it's not a one-off or it's happened twice like it seems to people be people can see it coming theme. can't they yeah yeah and it's tragic because like you say fat one fans have been waiting what feels like a lifetime guarantee it's only been a few years but it's felt like a long time for Ferrari to finally get their act together and produce a good car that can rival what we thought might be Mercedes but actually turns out to be Red Bull at the top and then they go and flush things like this down the toilet it's infuriating at the moment plenty of my mates are working on their own side hustles importantly lots of them need an e-commerce platform to start run and grow their businesses so i recommend them shopify shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell anywhere from creating your online shop in your look to finding new customers or to scaling that burning idea with shopify you can do it all from one place with no need for skills in design or coding I have actually previously set up an entire new website for an online business using Shopify and was amazed at how simple and easy it was to use with help on hand whenever I needed it and so many options available for customization. Running a successful business means getting the insights you need to grow and that's so important, which is why with Shopify's single dashboard, you'll also be able to manage orders, shipping and payments from anywhere in the world. It's no wonder every minute of every day a new seller makes their first sale with Shopify and you can join them. <coughs> Sign up for a free 14-day trial at shopify.co.uk wtf1. So go to shopify.co.uk slash WTF1 right now to grow your business today. You won't regret it. It's the perfect e-commerce platform to use. That's shopify.co.uk slash WTF1.
1: Yeah, it's the fact that uh, we've got Jack uh, in the team of WTF1 chat saying it's the fact that, you know, they made two wrong calls for Leclerc, not even one, yes. um, once once they'd kind of... they. Got him to stay out. They said stay out. It was too late. They just looked completely clueless um, with strategy. And it, yeah, it cost Leclerc big time. And I agree with you. Uh, I was buzzing for Checo. Uh, It's really nice to see a different winner. I said I wanted a different winner. Hence why Grace didn't wear the onesie this weekend. Oh, no, really? (laughs) No, she didn't. I said she wouldn't. And uh, there you go. Max didn't win. So it's proof. Um, But yeah the the fact that yeah Leclerc had that in the in the bag and the curse was the fact that he'd never finished Monaco mm. and he finally finished Monaco you know he didn't even get on the podium and he was the fastest driver without doubt all weekend he was the fastest driver and didn't even get a podium uh, it's just shocking really really shocking and yeah Ferrari it's all on Ferrari they threw it threw it away.
0: They did, yeah. Charles saying after the race, the win was clearly in our hands. We had the performance. We had everything. And, yeah, absolutely heartbreaking. I thought, to be honest, when they they called him in and then said, stay out, stay out, and, you know, it kind of seemed like a mix between um, – when they were speaking to Lewis, be like in and in out, that kind of vibe. And also, I was getting flashbacks to 2016 when I saw the stay out thing, and then I saw him in the pit lane. I was like, "They're going. He's going to be there. There's going to be no tyres. This is going to be a disaster." Oh my goodness! But fortunately, they had the tires there ready. It was just they weren't expecting Carlos's in lap to be so slow. I think, and how mm. everybody came together all at once. But yeah. Unbelievable from Ferrari. The,
1: the weird thing as well is that you'd feel like, I don't know the gaps uh, off the top of my head, uh, but I imagine they had this in in hand that you feel like because they wanted him to stay out, you know, once he's committed to Inters and got track position, you know, he's worst case scenario is finishing fourth anyway. So have <gasps> that gamble, but, you know... It, Hit them pitting him again essentially doing that that extra pit stop it just it just meant that he was destined to finish fourth yeah, It was shocking
0: in, in the stars mm. but yeah it' pretty pretty bad and yeah I um we'll probably talk about it a little bit later but with the red flag which Schumacher caused um people were asking Charles if during that red flag period obviously he had to go and sit in and be near the garage he was like did you speak to the team and he's like nope I didn't even want to like look at them. I didn't want to talk to them because uh, it would just anger me too much. I just needed time to sort of reset, all this kind of thing. So, yeah, I would love to be a fly on the wall in those um, post-race debriefs and chats, but um, at least he finished the race, eh?
1: <laughs> Every <laughs> <Is> it, cloud. <laughs> that is going to be a, another fascinating thing, how the season goes, because it's been all lovey-dovey with Leclerc mm. and Ferrari so far that he is there their golden boy talks about, you know, how much he loves Ferrari. It's been written, like I say, written in the stars that he's been with Ferrari and gone through the ranks. And he's been with Ferrari for ages and he signed a massive contract with Ferrari as well for ages. And, you know, if he loses this title because of bad strategy calls, I wonder how much we've seen it before, you know, Fernando Alonso, uh, they just get sick of it and just be like, mm-hmm. I need to go. They're the me championships. And it's a shame because, you know, however much I'm of a Stappen fan, I do love Ferrari. I love the. the Everybody's
0: a Ferrari Exactly. Fan. They are.
1: <laughs> and if you say you're not, you're lying, like Sebastian Vettel says, because it's great to see Ferrari back at the front. And, you know, it's a shame because I don't want them to be like a laughing stock because they're an amazing team. And, there's something really special about, about Ferrari. It's actually funny. You know, I mentioned earlier about, um, uh, my, my friend's uh, daughter watching the race and he said to her, like, you know, who, who, who are you supporting? And she went the red car. There's something about Ferrari, isn't there? Just when you're yeah. a kid, just the Ferrari has that pull. So yeah, I want them. I genuinely You know, it might seem odd for some people as a Verstappen fan to say this. And your Verstappen cape in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, I I do want Ferrari to, I, I don't want Ferrari to just completely ruin this title fight with botched strategies all the time. It'd be a shame.
0: Very much so. Well, let's dive into a question. So this is from, it could either be Time Keane or Tim E. Keen. I'm not sure. He said, over the past two seasons, it's become very clear that while Red Bull doesn't always have the best car on any given circuit, the team itself always seems to have an edge over its competition, whether it be pit stops or strategy, for example. How do Ferrari try to combat that moving forward? I mean, we've touched upon that earlier but i mean it is pretty crazy when you've got carlos science making strategy calls for them saying no no no, i'm not going on the inters i'm going to stick it out and wait for the dries and you know fair play to carlos because that call was what put him into such a good position for the rest of the race but You shouldn't really be having, although I think it's important to have a driver, you know, give influence into decision making, because at the end of the day, they're the ones on the track. They can feel what the grip is like or whatever it might be and when the right time to switch to a different tire compound is. But also, you know, Ferrari there with their thousands of computers, their rain radars or whatever that go for miles and they have all the telemetry there. They should be able to say Okay, well, while everyone around you is switching to inters, actually, we could gamble this and last three or four more laps on these if they're still okay, and then box for dries. And instead, Leclerc, which he's allowed to do, I'm not having a go at Leclerc at all, just willingly went along with their planned strategy. And That's what and a then driver you
1: think should do, really. Yeah,
0: yeah, and then like four laps later was having to come in for a set of drives, and you think, well, like you say, in Monaco where it's normally a one-stop race, obviously conditions were a bit different yesterday. Um, you shouldn't be making a pit stop within like five laps of making your last one, especially in Monaco where it's such a yeah.
1: huge.
0: like to get everything the
1: Red Bulls did do that but they already had that advantage on the track because they didn't mess up the first stop essentially uh and then obviously Carlos like you say he just went straight to dry so that worked out really well but you you mentioned about Leclerc sort of doing his own strategy I mean that became the meme didn't it when Sebastian Vettel was there that he he a lot of the time it felt like when Ferrari had a good strategy, it was because Sebastian Vettel was going against the team and deciding what he wanted to do with himself. And that should not be, that should not be the case for a driver. Like you say, the, the people on the pit wall are the one with all the information and everything. So why that's the case and not such a, a not so fun fact <laughs> is that the last time uh, Ferrari, the first team to lock out the front row at Monaco and not win since ferrari <laughs> in <laughs> 2000 ferrari in 2008 so yeah they really did throw that race away
0: absolutely savage um right well one big talking point after the grand prix when you thought everything was said and done and we'd had the delay of the race which we're we'll going to later don't worry guys if we'd up my fia ramp for that we had the delay to the race and then all of the drama that happened within it uh, we finally thought, right, Checo's a winner, Said um, Carlos in second, Max in third, bish bash bosh, pack up, go to Baku, lovely jubbly. Then Ferrari come out and say, well, actually, we think there's been a breach of regulations and we're going to protest. And I thought, oh, my goodness, protest. I hate that word. I haven't heard that word <laughs> since Abu Dhabi. It sends shivers down my spine because I think it's going to be a long night, boys. Right. <laughs> Get me a McDonald's on order. Get my teeth stocked up because this is going to be a long night so yeah basically um Ferrari decided that both Perez and Verstappen at one point or another in the race had gone over the pit lane exit line which you're not allowed to do it's very naughty and rather than putting a protest against Red Bull themselves they protested the cars of Verstappen and Perez and uh it was thrown out it was dismissed which we can go into uh But yeah, that was a lot of drama. Tommy, as you kind of mentioned at the start of this, you were in Leeds. So you kind of were quickly rushing around to get ready for your show. And then, yeah, did you actually know that Red uh, Ferrari might protest before you went into your show? Or was it like you came out and you were like, everything's on fire, what's going on?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's funny because I thought this race would be the one where I did half a day and I had a a gig in the evening. So I was like, okay, you know, Monaco's, not normally the most exciting race it'd be fine and then the the delays and delays and i was like oh god i'm gonna you know gonna miss all this and then yeah i i didn't see any of the the protest stuff but caught up with it when i got back and uh it would have been very carlos science to have got his first win wouldn't it by a protest
0: I was making the graphics ready, I like drafted an article, and as I was writing it, I thought this would just be the most Carlos Sainz thing. I mean, he got his first podium in Brazil because Hamilton was penalized for the album contact, so and we remember the videos and the pictures of him and all the McLaren gang going up on his own with his little bottle of champagne to celebrate because he didn't get to do it actually straight after the race. And then even last year in Hungary, he got promoted up to third when Vettel got disqualified from second for the fuel issue. So he has a long history of getting promoted to podium and top results after a race. And I thought this is literally the most Carlos Sainz thing I've ever heard. But um, fortunately, unfortunately... It didn't work out. I'm, I am kind of obviously, I think it's a good thing because I really want to see Carlos Sainz get the celebrations that he deserves because he's been so close on so many occasions. Um, but he might have actually been quite happy just to have that win and have that peace of mind and get that mm. sort of checked off and done out of the way because everybody is mentioning it now. like, oh, his time's going to come soon enough. And <laughs> P2 thinking, again,
1: like second year yeah. in a row at Monaco as well. Uh, still not got that first win so uh, it will you, come. <laughs> yeah there was actually a question from Fusion Z before we get into the uh ferrari protest which is about science he kind of briefly mentioned it but you know the fact that like do you think more praise should be given to science because essentially he questioned the fry strategy and yeah fair play to science because that ended up being an amazing call uh mm. for him to just but like we said you know, the, the drivers shouldn't be doing that but he did, and it, and it made it work. And may, maybe it is sometimes in these conditions that the drivers can go on the instinct of how the track is themselves. They're the only ones that know what the track's like. Uh, and Carlos made an amazing call just to go straight to the slick, save the, save the pit stops, and then still had very good pace. And arguably, if it wasn't for a certain, Nicholas Latifi might have won the race.
0: God's sake, Nicholas. Unbelievable. But yeah. No
1: way. <laughs> maybe we'll save this for your F- F- FAA rant because there's quite a few different FAA rants, but I cool. watched a video as well of the Williams. And I think it, this was actually, this wasn't even Latifi. This was Albon blocking Leclerc, but he did a whole lap with blue flags and <laughs> no penalty, no talk of making him get out of the way. And it was only because he messed up at turn one, that he actually got out of the way of Leclerc and Latifi, we saw when he came out of the pits, he stayed in front of science for ages. And that was Mm -hmm. the outlap that science had a chance on drives to really make an impact. And he was stuck behind Latifi. So he's going to be ruining that. But science, for all the criticism we've given him for this year, we said, you know, it could just take one race to get his confidence back. And this could be the race where, in difficult conditions, his teammates, the one that's had a nightmare, and he's had a really good performance, even though he's probably gutted that it is another P2, but maybe this is the the moment that his season turns around and it kind of saves his season a bit.
0: I very much hope so. I yeah. really do. He's deserving of it. So, um, right. Well, let's go back to the... Um, thank you for bringing that up as well with um, the question from Zero X Fusion Z. Um, but Katha... Haid, Haid, I'm not sure how that's pronounced, but said, how much was there actually to Ferrari's protest about Red Bull's pit exit lane infringement? Now, both of them were dismissed, as we said. And to be honest, I think a lot of it was to take the heat off Ferrari because they messed up so bad that they kind of were like, well, we're going to make it a problem now for Red Bull and potentially put their victory in third place on the line. And um, instead of people doing reports about Leclerc mouthing off about Ferrari in the in the media pen. Instead, everybody was writing about this potential protest. So mm, I guess a smart call from Ferrari, because also, although they said, you know, they weren't out searching for Checo to lose his win or whatever, they wanted more clarification on the rules. It's still like, I guess, quite a handy get out of jail free card if you could just be like, well, we're protesting. Goodbye. And that kind of it um but so yeah Checo,
1: sorry so Checo crossed the line as well right no like, this not, is a silly sorry thing. he it's, didn't cross the line but he, he didn't know at all no, no not they even decided, close
0: they decided that he didn't breach the rules which confused me because that was the one we we all saw the replay on on F1, F1 TV right? direction yeah. and it was Verstappen and then on the FIA like updates that they provide it said Perez was being investigated and I was like have they just got confused? Because we haven't seen Perez do it, but we've seen Verstappen do it, but Verstappen hadn't been put under investigation for it. So I think that was just the FIA getting their um, wires crossed. A yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, talking of FIA underwear rules. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that could potentially have been a mistake from the FIA, but I'm not certain for sure. But, yeah, that one was a pretty much a throwaway, like – they looked at the evidence and were like, okay, he did actually not do it. So that's fine. So his was thrown out. And then Verstappen's was a lot more complex because we have all seen the onboards. If you haven't, then you can go over to WTF1.com. And there's a handed little article, which has got some of the images in there for you to see. Um, but Ferrari was saying that there was a breach of the race director's event notes as on the exit from the pits on that 23 Verstappen's car put part of its left um front and rear tires on the tarmac onto the left side of the yellow line but then red bull came back and said well max's car was still to the right of the yellow line so there was no breach of the international sporting code and it was just one big like mess because basically the race director eduardo freitas i think is how it's pronounced who's in his second weekend in the job so you know still fairly, fairly new to it all, although he is a very experienced FIA race director, um, had to sort of hold his hands up and say, well, actually, I, I, I'm not going to do an impression because <laughs> I'll get into trouble. But um, he said that the event notes for Monaco this weekend had been cut and paste from the 2021 version and hadn't been changed to refre- reflect the 2022 changes. How embarrassing is that?
1: That's something you surely don't even need to admit to people. Like they wouldn't find out if they could cover it. I mean, yeah, slightly concerning about race directors having a mayor already. Uh, I wonder if we get to the end of the season and go, this job's hard. Maybe, maybe, maybe this job's just difficult. And again, we we sit here wondering, thinking, wow. Charlie Whiting was literally the only guy that could do this job. Because um, he had like
0: 30, 40 years experience behind it. Maybe that's what people need, but then you can't just magic that out of thin air.
1: Yeah, it's a very weird situation that uh, I think it was confusing for everyone at home that you could clearly see Verstappen was the one that either almost went over but didn't apparently or touched the line or whatever. Uh, and it seemed like a slam dunk. I mean, I just watched the Channel 4 uh, highlights and you know they were like that's it five second penalty for max mm. you know that's no brainer and then like you say it's it's perez that comes up on the graphic saying that his the incident's been noted and you're like what
0: what's he but done
1: anyway come on let's get into it it's rant time there's some <laughs> there's some Have a questions now a little we jingle. Katie's
0: FIA <laughs> Yeah, right. Oh, my goodness. There are a few questions here that Tommy has put in. So let's start with at Shawnee B 1983 who I love how they have started this because they've said, what's up with the at FIA? You've literally added the FIA into your WTF1 podcast question. You're calling them out. I love it. So what's up with the FIA? Delaying the start was unnecessary. Then the second restart should have been a standing start. It's almost like they were determined to manage conditions to ensure a procession. Bar the pit stops, it was pretty boring, and we were robbed of those opening laps. Um, so on that note, actually, I'm gonna. I said to my brother what should I do as my three word race review? And he said his would have been potential classic ruined. And actually I was like, Daniel, do you want to, do you want to join the podcast mate? Cause that's actually a pretty good race review. Um, so he was furious about it. I think let's, let's start from the start, the delayed start. Now, apparently, and this has been unofficially communicated by the FIA, but what people on the ground have heard is that because of the rain, The rain caused a power outage, which meant that the lights at the start weren't working. Now, if that's true, I get it. It happens. It happened a few years ago at Formula E. I can't remember for the race. It was the first race of the season and they were all lined up on the grid and then the start lights didn't work and we had like a half an hour wait where we had to get in some replacement start lights and it was all a mare. But it happens, right? Technology can sometimes be a real pain in the ass.
1: (laughs) at WTF1 we know that all (laughs) too well
0: (laughs) exactly team WTF1 members that have just watched us set up for this will know exactly that however there was no communication at all and then while everybody was flapping around the clouds came over and there was a monumental downpour and then we had like teams having to push their trolleys with their tires on. They were tie blankets flinging back because they weren't attached properly because it was all such a big rush. And nobody had a real clue as to what was going on. And I was listening to the races F1 podcast this morning and Ed Shaw made a really valid comment and something that I... I'm now also wanting to get behind where he said, I don't understand why the FIA don't have just like a designated media delegate that is in the race control room that can feed this stuff back, not only to journalists and broadcasters on the ground because you've got Crofty and Brundle, Crofty's popping off on one because he's like slamming the FIA and saying, this is ridiculous and let's go racing and all this kind of stuff. But the reality is the FIA is just tarnishing its own name when it's already an incredibly fragile place at the moment. Andrew Benson, I'm like quoting quite all these people here, but Andrew Benson of BBC Sport, listened to another podcast of his, he was saying that unofficially there were like lots of little talks going on within Formula One to see how they can potentially distance themselves from the FIA going forward because there've been so many instances of things that, perhaps haven't been taken as seriously as they think they should be. Maybe the Red Bull and Aston Martin situation be an example, as well as obviously everything that happened in Abu Dhabi. And like more and more fans are becoming familiar with who the FIA are, what the FIA do. And as a result, you know, are not happy maybe with the job that they're doing. Obviously they keep drivers safe and it's not just a case of you have a penalty, and that's all they do there's so much more to the FIA than just the stewarding side of things Um, but it shouldn't be that like a casual fan for example is going well who's this FIA then and why have they delayed the start and all this kind of thing the FIA should be a role that's there in the background and just does its job and nobody needs to really know they're there but it seems to be like yesterday everyone knew they were there and they were not doing potentially a very good job in handling it and it comes back to communication it's literally like what we had at the start of spa where everything was being delayed and there was no communication and everyone was running around like a headless chicken when the reality is they could have just said oh hi guys we've had an electrical issue because of the the rain and it's going to be delayed half hour bish bash bosh hi me
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i know right i mean it's a great point that everyone on Twitter was just ranting, thinking that the FIA have, you, you know, the FIA have basically uh, delayed the start because it's, it's always the thing, isn't it, where F1 fans go like, what's the point of wet tyres if they can't mm. drive in the wet? And uh, especially later on, it didn't look like it was that wet to be that much of an issue and the start was delayed. Whereas, like you say, if there's just a bit of communication in this day and age, communication with social media and everything it's so easy to just inform people what's going on and mm-hmm. instead rather than it just being like like you say it, it it looks good on the faa to just come clean and say this is out of our control there's been a power cut yeah and mother nature
0: y- stepped in and yeah. ruined it <laughs> and you'd
1: go fair enough there's nothing they can do but instead it's just everyone on twitter like giving them slander saying like this is a joke, why aren't they starting the race? What's the point of wet tyres? This isn't NASCAR, blah, blah, blah. We also, drivers so are so sat there some... getting
0: bloody soaked because yeah. they have no idea what's going on.
1: Yeah, or holding a pizza box above their head. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, iconic behaviour, to be honest. Did you see, actually, there was one chap in that they, like, focused in. Everyone around them had an umbrella or a puncher, and he's just sat there, like, completely drenched, just, like, regretting all of his life decisions. So was like, oh, somebody give that guy a hug or something. Or, I don't know. Chocolate, (laughs) umbrella, (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hug probably won't do much if you're drenched through, but yeah, no, um, certainly plenty of FIA slander going on. Um, and although there are things that the FIA also did throughout the race, which we can also go into, um, like for me, evident as soon as the car was in two for Mick Schumacher, you know, fortunately he's okay and that's all good. Why was that not red flagged? It's Monaco. Although we're lucky in the sense that Monaco and the marshals there are absolutely first class. They've got the cranes and everything almost like we don't have to normally worry about tractors going onto the track, which is something that really fills me with dread every time I see it. They've got cranes and they can lift and take things through, but the barrier's demolished, the car's in two. And also with the car being in two, it's an incredibly vulnerable position. Like something like the battery could have been damaged and the car could have still been live or there could have been um, a rupture to the fuel tank or I don't know like I'm just coming up with random things off the top of my head here fortunately none of that seems to happen but you think as soon as you see a car that is in two pieces on a street circuit and a barrier in
1: (laughs) no it's far too sensible they're
0: like "Mm, let's just do a virtual safety car and then we'll go to a safety car and then go to red flag. It's literally deja vu of what happened in Saudi last year, where they took so long to make a decision that then all it does is mug off people that quickly run in and grab, grab a new of yeah. tyres or whatever it might be. Like we saw Hamilton completely shafted by it last year, um, although then he was able to benefit from it in Silverstone. So, you know, it's yin and yang, I guess. But um, I just don't understand.
1: It's the most they obvious call ever, red like, flag it. <laughs> yeah, it was the most obvious call ever. I mean, again, watching Channel Four, like the car went in, and they were all like, "Yeah, that's a red flag." And I'm sure everyone at home, including yeah. you, myself, was saying the same thing, like, "That's a red flag." Uh, well, actually, I was more, I was very concerned for for Mick at yeah, that point because it looked very nasty. Uh, from the replay, maybe wasn't as bad as it initially first looked, but when you see a a car in half, it's very scary. But um yeah just such an obvious red flag and there seem to be a lot of screw-ups in that race
0: very much so we've got a question here from team wtf one member Joran or your P what do you guys think of the two hour time limit applied today? For me, it totally ruined the suspense of hearing how many minutes we had left with the red flag with an average lap time of one minute, 15 in the dry, the race would have lasted 97.5 minutes. Gosh, you're doing your stats here, giving a 22 minute margin until the two hour time limit for me as a big event as formula one, um, should have more margin than to compete. Wait, pod. <laughs> so, for me, as a big an event as Formula One should have more margin than to complete the spectacle. But maybe I'm too focused on my own wants. I don't really quite understand. The complete last part the of it, spectacle.
1: But... Formula One should oh, have like, more margin to complete the spectacle. Like they should I be allowed see... to finish the race regardless. Yeah. I
0: sounded like I was having some sort of episode. Reading, that. <laughs> I apologise. Um, right. But yeah, uh, mm, I see why the time is there because it was three hours, wasn't it, from like the first. I guess formation lap and that's the sort of something that's been bought in for spa and that's what they broke in spa which annoyed me because yeah it should be a case of like you start and you start the timer and you have as long as the timer is but um they use force majeure in spa to extend it and that's why it was just going on forever and ever and ever um yeah, I mean, I can see why the timer is there. It gave off big Formula E vibes, to be honest with you, seeing a, a countdown timer of 30... Did it start at 35 minutes to 35 go or something? Minutes.
1: I mean, um, biggest relief ever for me because I was <laughs> ready to yeah, go up. Yeah, and you I were was, like, well, I know I, it's
0: exactly going to finish then.
1: Yeah, I was messaging you like, Katie, I think you're going to have to take over tweets here. I'm, I'm going to have to just tweet on the David one count. Sorry, I'm off to see Alan Partridge. Bye. Um, but yeah, the... Uh, yeah, I was I was relieved personally because I, uh, and I and I guess you could look at it that way. While uh, this was a one off for me that I had to leave after a, a race that does just show that, you know, like do people like fans do have lives that they want to get on with. However much we love Formula One. Um, if a race is meant to start at two o'clock and it finishes at seven, that's quite the old commitment for uh, not just. TV broadcasters, but fans as well to take five hours out of their day. And it's like, well, would you rather just, you know, have a time there? We still did get a fair bit of racing. I I personally, and people will be calling me a hypocrite now for because they're like, Oh, I thought you loved Monaco. But I personally I I don't feel like we were robbed in particular. I didn't feel that that, I didn't feel like that was a short race.
0: Oh my God, that's going for a lifetime.
1: Especially at the start, because I think I messaged you at the start when they were doing 140s at the start of the race. I was like, this race (laughs) is going to last forever. It's
0: going to be like a five-hour race. Um, Mm. But yeah, no, I mean, for me, as a Checo fan it was still like full of suspense at the end because I could see the countdown clock. And I was like, okay, he's got five minutes, five minutes left. If we can just keep it out of the barriers and he can do a good job, then he just fight. Okay. We're down to five, four minutes and a half. Like, and so it still gave that element of suspense. It was just slightly different than having laps counted down Instead, it was just minutes. But also I think people have got to remember one that, you know, celebs have got to get back to their yacht parties and get that sunset pick for the gram but also that it is a principality it's a it's not like it's just a circuit that's just sat there doing nothing like cars need to go around people need to get to their homes and um so it's not just as simple as like if it was at Silverstone for example and it's an actual permanent track that hasn't got a time limit on how long they need to be there for which is kind of what we had in spa like restaurants need to open and all this kind of stuff people need to be able to walk around um, so yeah I can see why why they did it um, but it's just unfortunate it's just not nice to have the weather disrupt a race in such a crazy situation especially in such a close proximity to Spa last year are certainly getting flashbacks I'll tell you that much
1: yeah it did feel like at the start why can they never just I wrote it on I wrote it on our Twitter account like why can F1 never just have the perfect amount of rain that just (laughs) spices up a little but doesn't affect the race too much but I do like looking at it you know the uh out of Anthony Nodes like just like drop downhill slightly. And there was a camera view where it was a lake, wasn't it? Just yeah. It got it got so flooded so quickly. Uh but oh, can we just have a, a nice sprinkle that spices up the race without delaying it for hours and stuff these days? Come on. Come on, F1. Maybe please. Bernie's
0: sprinklers idea wasn't such a bad idea. Ralph. I
1: feel like we actually <laughs> even had a question about that, but there you
0: go. Oh, I love it. Right. Well, we've got another question. This one is from Mega versus Primus. He said, should I, as a Mick fan, be concerned about not only his future at Haas, but his future in Formula One? In two street circuits, a small error caused the car to split in half. I'm a big fan of Mick, but I cannot help but fear his, for his future yes i mean we spoke a little bit about mick coming into this weekend obviously everybody kept mentioning the whole will he get points will he blah 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 and he showed great promise throughout the weekend so far didn't manage to bin it like he did in fp3 last year and write himself write himself out for qualifying so that's a little tick little upgrade on last year however instead he put the car in two during the actual race and although you know we can talk about it a bit casually because we know he's fine and he's all right and that kind of stuff like it was still a huge shunt and that's going to cost Hass so much money for a team that is you know one of if not the smallest team on the grid that's got very limited budget um and he can't be doing this i mean if this was nikita Mazepin, you know bring his yeah. name back oh percent. i was gonna say like, it myself it would be so different but because Mick is this adorable wholesome little cherub and I just want to cuddle him and squeeze his little cheeks you know it we can't we can't just be letting him off with these huge shunts like they they're costing has so much money and you know in a week where everybody's going on about the cost cap and how inflation's affecting that and how You know, for some teams, they can't even keep the wind tunnel on sometimes because the electricity bills are so high. And like money is becoming such a crucial factor to these teams. And yet you've got Mick causing millions of pounds worth of damage. It's not a good look for him. And yeah, I did it
1: last year as well. Because all the emphasis was on Mazapin being yeah, slow and, actually, and crashing Schumacher when it actually was, was yeah, it was it actually was. Mick. And then he's done it again. And you're right. However much, you know, he's a popular driver. If Mazapin had stayed in Formula 1 and had the season that Mick had this year of one, being slower than his teammate, especially a teammate mm. that's not even been in Formula 1 for ages, and two, smashing up the car constantly everyone on social media would be saying, why is this guy in Formula One? He needs to go. He's out of his depth. Like, I'm sorry. I know it's savage, but like that you cannot deny that that is what the narrative would be if it was pitt And So you have to, you know, give Mick the same treatment and you can't just give him a free pass because his surname Schumacher, like his, I said that he's having a terrible season after Miami when he, crashed and we said oh well you know at least he's up there in the points and he'll learn from this and won't crash again and yes it's a wet race at Monaco which is a difficult circuit but the fact is he did crash and he did right off the car again and uh, I mean you wrote an article about Gunther Steiner right as he said like he's on his last warning or something
0: Yeah, he basically was saying, you know, we need to have a discussion with Mick because what he's doing is not on. So um, let me see if I can pull up the exact quote for you. One second. So, yeah, he said, um, with Mick, we obviously saw what happened. It's not very satisfactory having a big crash again. We need to see how we move forward from here.
1: Um,
0: So, I mean, Mick said it was uh, the mistake was that he just was 10 centimeters offline i'm like okay but as we've it's seen in monaco takes. even or even 1 centimeter off the line if you're going into swimming pool chicane and you you know nudge the tech pro can be a huge shunt so oh, i don't know I, it really breaks my heart but he needs to get it together otherwise he's going to be out for sure because you know I there can't. are talented drivers out there that can bring funding you know i know there's a big old pay drivers of rubbish and blah 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 but like there are some drivers out there guanyu is a perfect example i think he's doing a brilliant job in alpha he's had some real rubbish luck over the last few races and yes monaco probably wasn't the finest example um but you know he's brought a lot of money to alpha and yet he's really not
1: crashing every weekend yeah, yeah.
0: Exactly. <laughs> as blunt as it is and, it's and true. sometimes
1: that is all you need to
0: Get a car home when it get a car to get home. home.
1: <laughs> and when, you know, as his confidence picks up, we saw Yuki Tsunoda last year that he was writing the car off all the time. And while Yu Joe maybe hasn't been completely spectacular, sorry, Joe mm. Guan Yu, um <laughs> hasn't been maybe incredibly spectacular, uh, he's been picking up some, like, decent, solid points finishing when his car, uh, sorry, like, decent finishing. And, you know, as his confidence will grow, he'll be quicker and quicker and not costing the team an absolute fortune by binning the car off. Um, and as Mason Beck in our Team director one chat has just said, uh, Joe had the save of the century. That was epic. Oh, I mean, that was goodness. unbelievable. that was
0: rivalling Carlos's. Yeah, save. Yeah, we've not even mentioned Carlos' save,
1: but yeah, and Form- Formula Wonderland said that that Joe's save as well. I mean, there was some incredible moments in that also- race.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm there like chefs kissing the save but like shouldn't be there in the first place but fair play to you cuz I was what a save. A And we saw was, some yeah. real saves in the F2 as well like really good good jobs from the drivers yeah. on it. Um right, I don't know why I suddenly went so like on it then a bit like landing in it. But uh, let's let's quickly skip to another question. Um so Harvey 5D asks when will F1 modernize the Monaco circuit? Well, Harvey We've got some news for you, just for you. We're going to dedicate the podcast, especially to you. No, we're not. But uh, we had lots of questions about Monaco and the role that Monaco has because it hasn't got a contract. We might have just witnessed the last Monaco GP, Tommy. How do you feel <laughs> when I say that? You're going to burst into tears. Sad.
1: Sad. And also, wouldn't that be Leclerc's luck that they just bid off the Grand Prix <laughs> before he gets a chance to win it?
0: Oh, yeah. That would,
1: that would just cement the curse, wouldn't it? But yeah. It really
0: would. But yeah, we're going to do a podcast on that potentially. I think midweek. So if you have any questions, if you're maybe Team WTF one, and you have a burning question that you want to get into that special podcast, ping and acro- ping them across in the Discord, and we'll try our best to feature them. So yeah.
1: let us know yeah. why you like, why you dislike Monaco, because we had so many questions about. Is it suitable? And then some people are like, oh, I like the tension of it. And then some people saying, no, this was terrible. And it's really divided people. And we had so many questions that this podcast would be hours and hours. So we thought we'd do a special one based off it. Why not? Eh?
0: I love it. Right. Well, on that note, shall we skip to ABCDEF1? Tommy, I've do got, you have a jingle for I us I do.
1: I'm glad I, I just remembered. So yeah. Uh, Which
0: we'll, one are we going we'll to go for? We'll go for this
1: one. If it's, okay. This is from.
0: Don't I, forget to hold it back a bit because I'm trying to it out. <laughs> uh,
1: this is from uh, Jonathan Craven, who's at Tenacious We. Hello. Please find attached for your consideration a jingle I made with my daughters for ABCDF1. Love it. <laughs> I, wow. like how, I like how long i was, the car not expecting, was left expecting
0: <laughs> i was just cute kids of a b and it's like Ugh. yeah <laughs>
1: it's
0: amazing you can say,
1: well, i think that's matt coming in at the end you've got oh, the, the cute kids and then matt's like What? <laughs>
0: <laughs> i love it that's awesome thank you so much for sending in that jingle yes, thank you Jonathan. Um, Thank you. And if you want to send your own jingle in, we've changed the email. Dun, dun, dun. So you can still send them to contact at WTF1. But if you could send them to podcast at WTF1.com, that would be perfect. And also that email address is going to come in use for some pretty cool ideas that we've got coming up. So keep your ears to the ground for some podcast news soon maybe elusive little, little tease right abcdef one time monaco gp edition let's start as we always do with lewis hamilton where is he gonna go for you where, what grade are you gonna give him
1: i think lewis hamilton deserves a c
0: interesting i have gone for a b because okay. through watching the replays although he wasn't as strong as russell he sustained damage to his front wing and it, it it hasn't really been picked up anywhere. So whether it didn't actually make much of an impact at all because he wasn't like moaning about it afterwards in the press pen or whatever, but on watching the replays, apparently him and Ocon, obviously they had their tangle at turn one and then apparently they had another incident, the following lap, which naturally TV direction didn't pick oh, up on. Yeah. So I'm gonna go off the basis that he had a bit of a wounded car. S- mm, maybe it is a C because
1: Russell. I know I know it's Monaco and you get stuck behind, but I guess that's part of the, the thing, really getting uh just all I'm gonna it stick is, with B. Okay.
0: But yeah. Um and the fans, it was very close. Fans gave him a C, but there was literally 0.3% in it.
1: So, oh, wow. So I can see. B. Okay, so we are on the right tracks of it's it's a close call. Uh, we but- had
0: 2,722 people give him a B and 2,738 people give him a C. So it really wow. was a few dozen of you that pushed it to a C. So, so yeah.
1: there we go. C for Hamilton.
0: C for Hamilton. This is going to make it quite easy if it's just us three.
1: Yeah, because the there'll be a I mean, you... deciding vote yeah. from the fans if love, we need
0: it. I love it. Yeah, we can blame them instead. <laughs> what is your rating for Russell? Tommy, what are you going to go for? A. A, I think I'm going to go for an A as well. And the fans have given majority A vote as well. Max Verstappen, he was always a little bit behind Sergio this weekend, but did still end up on the podium. What are you thinking, Mr I'm Verstappen thinking fanboy? B. <gasps> Wow, I think that's fair to be honest. Because as we said, he was always on the back foot to Checo all weekend.
1: Yeah, couldn't and get benefited
0: th- massively from Ferrari's mess up. So
1: yeah, I don't think you. I am not afraid to admit it as of a staff and fanboy with my cape in the background that he just was like couldn't get anywhere near Checo all all weekend, and it was uh, it's it's mad actually. Um, that's his worst. Finishing result since Hungary last year when he had half a car, and it's still third.
0: <laughs> oh my god, that's ridiculous! Yeah. And if you
1: if you ca- if you discount that one where he had half a car, it would be his worst result since I think I want to say Turkey, uh, Turkey twenty twenty. Well, that's because
0: he spun it because he cause was he being spun. too ambitious.
1: So I mean, that's what you go doing a championship when you have bad days. Still, still get. Um, Still well, so get on the works. podium, but uh, I cannot give him any higher than a B personally.
0: That's very fair. And yeah, same as the fans. Sergio Perez, A star move. A star.
1: Yeah. But he did Lovely crash. Game. He did crash, but I.
0: Oh, it, true.
1: But yeah, he's he's been so good that he still deserves an A star from me.
0: Yeah. Go on, it, Sergio. Why not? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Go on, Queen. Uh,
0: Go off, <laughs> right? What's your rating for Charles Leclerc?
1: A star as well. It's not his fault.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. Interestingly, fans gave majority A. Only one thousand wow. one hundred of you gave him an A star, and over three thousand three hundred of you gave him an A.
1: What can There's- he do? Like, what there can were he some do?
0: People giving him an thirty nine people gave him an F. Ninety five people gave him a D.
1: People do realize that. Are you that, like, okay, Hans? Like. I- <laughs> I mean, the only thing you could argue is that he didn't overrule the strategy like Carlos did. But I mean, it shouldn't really be on on him.
0: Yeah, but if you're told to pit and then you don't pit, then that's also more drama. He wasn't to know maybe that Carlos was going to be there. I don't know. No. A star. Grade the driver,
1: not the not the
0: mess of a strategy.
1: People on the pit wall. I was going to (sighs) say something else on the pit wall. But yeah.
0: Good save. Right. Carlos Sainz then finished in second. So close to that first win. I'll go for an A. Although I'm tempted by an A star. I'm tempted by an A
1: star. He was calling for the
0: strategy.
1: I think that strategy call on his self tips it to an A star for me because I I do love it. I do love it when a driver, However much I'm really hypocritical now I'm being like, it's not the driver's job (laughs) to do the strategy. However... when they do do it, I like it, and it pays off because, yeah, yeah. Let's give Carlos an A star.
0: Let's spread the love, A star, and the fans gave him an A. So we're overruling you on that one as well. Um, rating for Norris, finished in sixth. Was it sixth? Yeah, it was because George started first. George five. George Russell got top five.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, George Russell yeah. has to finish in the top five. It's the rules.
0: It is so. it's in the FIA rule books. <clears throat> um. Ugh. Yeah, I think A.
1: Yeah, I think it's still, an A.
0: Still suffering from tonsillitis, he said. He could use that excuse. Oh, yeah, he could win and be like, well, I still have tonsillitis. And like, we'd just all be like, yeah, go Norris. But um, yeah, very, I think pretty good.
1: The thing is with Lando as well is uh, we'll go into this with Daniel Ricciardo. But, you know, if we had another driver in that car, would he, be, for example, Carlos Sainz, when he was at McLaren, he was yeah. brilliant. And the fact that, you know, if there was another McLaren driver who could actually compete with Lando and is just putting that car, you know, maybe that car is fifth, like, or, yeah. or third best or fourth best, and Lando's just getting the maximum out of it, but we don't know if he's, like, excelling because his teammate is so bad, but that is just the way Formula One is. So, yeah, it's it's still an A. Yeah, I think Marcus
0: an A, price. and that's what the fans have. That's <laughs> what so the fans have gone for as well, um, with 63% of you going for an A as well. <sighs> Daniel Ricardo, it's going to have to be a D. He smashed the car. Well, this is also, I was like, this is why I used to love Nico Rosberg, right? Because he was there defending Danny Ricci, was saying, well... The team shafted him on that one. They were pushing him too far on the setup, and they and that's why the car made the mistake. I was like, I remember why I supported you, Nick Osberg. Well done. Because
1: <laughs> a Danny Rick fan. <laughs> yeah, secretly
0: well. a Danny Rick um, fan. But
1: oh, it's almost an E for me, but uh I need to save that for another driver. So maybe it's just uh oh, no, is it thirteenth isn't? <laughs> 13th isn't that bad in a McLaren when his mm. teammate finished 6th and uh, he's getting an E I'm sorry I can't give Danny Rick a free pass anymore he's getting an E It's
0: fine, okay well most of the people that voted gave him a D Yeah. also the next highest ranking was a C so clearly the DR fans are yep. still supporting showing that love um, so I guess that would balance out 2 Oh, a D. no. No, it is a oh, D. Oh, yeah, it would. It would yeah, yeah. yeah, so it's a D. <laughs> Okay, well, I'll make sure to clip this and send it to Daniel Ricciardo. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll Alonso. send him an Instagram DM. <laughs> yeah, because he follows us on Instagram. That's another thing. I will keep always wanted to message him to be like, tune up, but then I can't do that on the WTF1 account because I'll get sacked.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> what is your rating for Alonso? King of, I can't say the word, but basically...
1: S housing, you mean? Yes, yeah. Is yeah. That what you're going to say? Yeah, uh,
0: yeah. Unbelievable, causing the Alonso train. The memes I saw of that were hilarious, and then he like holds everyone back up just to then set a fastest lap because he put his foot on the floor, uh, foot to the floor. I thought it was really funny, but I can see it also pissing off a lot of people.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, an A. Seven. A. Yeah, I think so.
0: I suppose, yeah, like, I was gonna go for a B because I did think that his shenanigans, although they made me laugh and it was quite clever, at the same time, it was a bit muggy. (laughs) So I might go for a B. Tell me
1: you support O'Connor that time me you support. No,
0: no. <laughs> but no, just the train that he made and the <clears> fact, <throat> fact that I was like, oh my goodness, they're gonna the leaders are soon gonna catch up to this train and it's gonna cause absolute pandemonium. Um, but yeah, well, the fans gave him majority B as well.
1: How many so- F's did Alonso get?
0: 155
1: <laughs> i was about to say how many of team lh gave him <laughs> oh, oh, <yeah. laughs>
0: oh bless him um yeah. so, I, I'm yeah. saying, like
1: i see a lot of people like really surprised in the chat i've given him an a he started seventh and finished seventh in a
0: he also binned it in collie but then mind you we gave star stuff doing the same so
1: yeah exactly a... Hey hey, seventh in an alpine like
0: I've been late A quick all weekend, which is why I'm so annoyed by this next result of Esteban Ocon, who was also running in the points but got penalised for this prang with Lewis Hamilton. Said some pretty heated stuff for Esteban Ocon, who is normally just like, oh, well, better luck next time kind of vibe. He he said on the radio, he was like, this is favouritism, talking about his penalty and then basically raging that they'd changed the rules because apparently that same clash wouldn't have been a penalty it would have been a racing incident last year and he was saying apparently the gpda agreed on these changes but he doesn't remember it and he was basically he was not a happy boy because it got him out of the points i think he finished p12 in the end um but generally apart from that penalty he had a really solid weekend i think
1: still slower than alonso though fuck
0: on bias (laughs) it's still slower than alonso And um, his penalty,
1: yeah, yeah, maybe a little bit over-aggressive. Agassi. Yeah,
0: see. Okay, well, that's what the fans have also gone majority for, which is good. Now, Pierre Gasly, absolute wonder man around Monaco, actually making overtakes. I mean, it doesn't take much to be a wonder man around uh, Monaco. All you have to do is overtake one car and you're driver of the day.
1: Um, Gasly overtook about he, five. <laughs> he, did. he did.
0: He did. He did such a brilliant job. So got shafted in quality by his team just literally missed out on setting his quality lap by, what well, it must have been milliseconds. Because apparently he crossed the line, which they said, nope, you've lost your chance. But he went still flat out thinking that this could be the lap. And then it, he had to wait for his team to go, okay, Pierre, we missed it, for him to sort of like back off and be like, oh, great. Because he thought that he just made it. But um, I think I, I'm tempted to go for an A. Yeah, I'm
1: going for an A. Seventeenth yeah. to eleventh at Monaco, and actually being the one that overtaked. I mean, I know it was a, it was a bit of a gamble to put on Inters, but he was the the one to do it and made it work and did handled the risk versus reward well by like you know making moves when he needed to without binning it. So yeah, fair play to Gasly. Very much,
0: well done, Pierre. Fans gave him a B. So sorry we're ever that, guys. And then Yuki Tsunoda. It seemed to just have a love affair with Sandoval and that runoff there. <laughs> yeah. in the, towards the end of the Grand Prix, it was like, and Sonoda's off again and again and again. It's like... Every crazy. time there was a
1: yellow at turn one, it was Sonoda, <laughs> always it? always Sonoda. Yeah.
0: Another one, thank you, as the <laughs> meme goes. Um, where did he finish in the end? Yeah, it's pretty appalling.
1: I, actually, quite interesting is that uh, Gasly started 17th and finished 11th and Sonoda started 11th and finished 17th.
0: Wow, it's like Freaky Friday.
1: Swapsies. Um, it's like freaky friday (laughs) what what, (laughs) this is the wtf1 podcast reviews for you isn't it yeah please
0: make um a mock-up of um yuki and pierre with like the Lindsay lohan vibe freaky friday mashup i need an edit of that thank you
1: yeah uh so yeah uh, i gotta give seneda a d because he made a lot of mistakes
0: yeah um it was very close between a d and a c but the fans have gone for a C, so a sort of lot of boys. for UK. They are, they've got it for you. <laughs> Sebastian Vettel got the final points position. C, maybe? I don't think it can be uh, much lower than that.
1: No, I almost want to give him a B because I watched a video where he made about four overtakes oh that God, they didn't yes. show, and anyone that overtakes at Monaco and goes for it gets <laughs> extra points in my book, so <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm giving him a B.
0: Hey, You've convinced me. You've, you've twisted my arm. I'll I'm give so him a B as we well. I'm so glad we didn't
1: see them, because they were great oh, passes. Mate, yeah, honestly.
0: Uh, Monaco things. Just Monaco things. So yes, uh, fans also gave majority B, so that's great. And then Lance Stroll, pretty e. appalling weekend. I think e. an E. Yeah. Uh, fans e, have
1: gone for a D. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. I think a D. Oh, I don't know, because he... No, an E. If I've given Ricardo an E, he's got to get an E as well, because he literally, like, binned it immediately didn't he i mean
0: <laughs> and I, it's got annies in the wall
1: <laughs> it's like saying so away we go and latifi's often strolls off i mean yeah the, the canadian meme, sandwich yeah it's just oh canada you, <laughs> oh poor canada i know those drivers them. Y- you you once had Jules Villeneuve, and now you've got strolling latifi uh <sighs> anyway but at
0: least you have a great grand prix circuit so exactly. you know you got to take the wins. Uh, but yeah, I think... Mm,
1: yeah, I'll also, go
0: in E. Yeah, he also managed to damage the car during, I think it was one of the practice sessions as well. So had a love-hate relationship the with the replay,
1: yeah.
0: Oh my God, yeah, the straw replay. Uh, yeah, I'll go an E. But the fans went majority D. And then talking of everyone's favourite Canadian that drives for Williams, <laughs> <laughs> rather than just favourite Canadian straight up, Nicholas Latifi, the walking, talking meme machine. Um,
1: e as well, I think.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to have to be an E, yeah. Majority, oh, majority of the fans gave him an F. Ooh.
1: Yeah, it's close to an F. I,
0: see why. I mean, so it was an F, 32%, E, 22%, D, 29%. So <laughs> not great. 13% gave him an E. And I'm sure there's probably a few A stars in there just for the last. Oh, no, are.
1: actually, I think I'd... Oh, do I give him an F? He also cost Science the first win by not getting out of the way. True. And I know that's not on... Yeah, he's getting an F, sorry.
0: Okay, F. I'll also give an F. Because, yeah, poor <laughs> Carlos Sainz. I'm clearly being very easily swayed here. Nearly at the end, Alex Elban had to retire early. Didn't see the chequered flag...
1: So, do, uh, what, why did he retire
0: I think he had a problem with the car
1: uh, okay. do, 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 do. What, one thing that we did briefly mention earlier uh, mm-hmm. and someone mentioned it in the chat uh, and I've seen the video on reddit is Albin ignored 18 blue flags <laughs> behind. why
0: him. is this not more of a thing
1: I know I can't believe that because isn't it three and you get a penalty
0: Something like that. So yeah. The
1: stewards were definitely like asleep during that race, weren't they? Um, everything took forever. I wonder if they lost communication of just maybe maybe they didn't even have enough electricity to watch the race and they just didn't know what was going on and they were just finding out based like finding out from Twitter or something. Um, yeah, a bit Crazy. chaotic. Uh, he retired okay, with d. a front end problem that the team referred to as unexpected bouncing d.
0: I think D is fair. And fans gave majority D as well. Valtteri Bottas posted the best picture during the rain delay that I have ever seen in my <laughs> life. um Whether nearly breaking the internet. Yeah, I think he's been sent it by somebody and he's posted it. I don't think he sat there on Photoshop, like in the back of the garage on his phone. Well, especially because we saw him during the, the rain bum. delay. Yeah. And he
1: wasn't doing anything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. but- it's still someone really somewhere funny. is
0: it was really a quality tweet. Um,
1: quality tweet. I want to um, yeah, it, it was slightly disappointing that I was expecting more from him, but he still finished ninth and bonus points for for that meme so B. <laughs> yeah
0: I think I'll I'll go for a B as well. Uh, and then his teammate Zhou Guan Yu, um, he was a pretty clumsy to be honest around Monaco. I might yeah. go for a. Where did you D. finish in the I think end? a D. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he nearly lost it coming out of the tunnel, didn't he?
1: Yeah.
0: And in like loads of other places. And it sometimes it was a bit slow to get out of the way. Yeah, I think a D. Um, and the fans have given majority C, but also quite a lot of people gave him a D as well. So it's not too outrageous. Kevin Magnussen retired out of the race without anybody having any idea that he'd done so. What um, was the
1: reason? Uh, what engine was troubles. The reason?
0: I think so something better. yeah
1: engine troubles uh he was ahead of that also he was on for points yeah uh he was looking good that's a shame did did anyone else get confused I don't know if you got confused that they when Mick smashed it into the wall they mm. cut straight to Magnussen and I <laughs> almost hadn't even realized because they didn't ever show Magnuson retiring that I hadn't quite clocked that Magnussen was out the race and then I'd I, seen
0: on the timing screen you can see it on out. the timing
1: screen but it made me question like
0: what was that Magnussen that
1: crashed and he's walked out but it was just a weird thing to show Magnussen as soon as uh, Haas had crashed and it was very very weird but yeah because um, they showed him
0: like walking to the end of the pit lane to see if they could see over yeah that's why he but it was still a bit of a uh, weird decision why we need an immediate reaction from a driver when another driver's had a horrific mm. crash, I don't know, but
1: no, uh, it's a I see. yeah. <laughs> I guess it's you don't, it's hard to be like, oh, he definitely would have got points because it was a crazy race, but he was up there a bit more. So I think a C,
0: yeah, I think a C is fair. And fans have also given majority C, and then finally, Mick Schumacher. Oh, I'm getting all choked up here talking about Mick. Um,
1: uh, e. F, right. Move
0: on. <laughs> um, fans gave him a majority D because the Mick Schumacher fan club is. He gets in the, a couple uh, of
1: extra. He gets a free pass, doesn't he? He gets a, a, a few grades. He does, yeah. yeah.
0: But there were a few Fs, a few Es, and some Cs as well. But there we go. Hopefully that was um, not as chaotic as it could have <laughs> been, but it sounded pretty manic. Um, finally, let's go through our predictions. If you. Listen to the podcast last week, you'll know Spain was absolutely horrendous. We got no points throughout the up uh, every one.
1: and today is no one. different.
0: And today, <laughs> they exactly, might be the same. So, Matt's Monaco predictions was that Leclerc breaks the Monaco curse. <laughs> Unbelievable. And Science has good another laugh. mistake slash bad weekend. I'm not going to count his little whoopsie behind um, Perez as a mistake because he recovered that so beautifully. So, yeah. no points for Matt. If literally I, the
1: opposite of both, I'd say there.
0: Uh, yeah, Science, I think so. Yeah,
1: Science good weekend and Leclerc's Monaco curse continued, so...
0: Can we give minus points while he's not here? (laughs) Yeah, let's do it. I said five or more DNFs and there were only three, so I don't get that. And Hamilton versus the FIA, which was in reference to the jewellery ban. And then the FIA at the start of the weekend were like, oh, we're going to give you um, further exemption until the end of June. So to me, that just is basically, we're just going to keep delaying this because we don't have to deal with it. So that's pretty pathetic from them. But anyway, I feel like if you're going to enforce the rule, enforce the rule or don't do it. Like, stop putting it off. Yeah. But anyway. Tommy, what were your Monaco predictions?
1: Uh, Mercedes win. Right. And uh <laughs> Ricardo out in Q1. No. And
0: he didn't. No. No, he
1: didn't. Well oh done.
0: <laughs> well done, Daniel. Um fans, we had RB oh R Bolton seven. Latifi brings out the safety car after ending his race in the barrier. I want to kind of give a half point, but um <laughs> No safety car and didn't end his race, but did end up in the barrier. So, you know, hey ho. Um, Quadrucus Vettel Podium, love it, Bold. but no. And also Formula One Wimbo, pole sitter wins the race, which didn't happen. And right. loads of people are like, that was just too obvious to go for that one. But actually, just proves that it's not necessarily the case,
1: especially on Ferrari or on pole. So true. <laughs> Leclerc, uh, I did mention this stat uh, and a lot of people got annoyed. I do like Leclerc, by the way, people, people, um, you know, I was the one defending him. I will have you say you can watch back old podcasts. And I was the one defending him for all the narrative that he was washed and science was so much better. Um, I do like him, but I did have a bit of banter on Twitter about the fact that he now has the same number of Pole positions mm. as uh, <laughs> you
0: took
1: yeah. As as Max, but only four wins. Like just,
0: that is I it's mad how many poles he's means. got.
1: It's very mad funny. how many. Yeah, I was reading them mainly mainly Italians. Um, but yeah, fourteen poles and four wins. Um, obviously this one he deserved to get that that win, but yeah. that's quite the. Uh, yeah, he's phenomenal. Uh, phenomenal pole record, but very unlucky this time not to get the win. But it is a mad stat, really. Yeah. Like, mm.
0: yeah, lots of people. Are like, Max has been around longer and that kind of stuff. But really, he's only kind of had that proper competitive car around the same kind of time as Leclerc. But anyway, everybody's got their own. There's um, reasons
1: for and against everything, isn't there? Positive. Every, literally, everyone's career is different.
0: Yeah, that's the beauty of motorsport, baby. Yep. Right, Baku. Well done, Baku, is coming up next. Matt has submitted some predictions. We did think we were going to have to make some up, but he's actually done it. So thank you, Matt. He said Perez wins again. So he's all aboard the (laughs) perez penny farthing. as (laughs) we've called it before, or the Checo Chariot. That's my favorite one. And then another bad weekend for Mick Schumacher. So... We'll have to wait and see how that turns out. I have said two red flags in qualifying because last year we had like four or something crazy. It was a lot. And also I've, I've gone bold. I've said Carlos Sainz gets his first win.
1: Oh I, I nearly be, went for that, yeah. Did you? I did. But instead. <sighs>
0: it's going to be pretty crazy.
1: <clears throat> I've gone for the other Ferrari driver. I've gone for a Leclerc win.
0: Oh, nice.
1: And I've gone for no crashes at the castle section all the weekend.
0: So you know what's going to happen there?
1: Charlotte Leclerc is going to go.
0: <laughs> so Charlotte Leclerc is going to be leading. He's going to nearly win the race and he's going to crash at the castle section and he's going to avoid no. both of your predictions in one go.
1: And then Checo win, lead the championship and yeah, Red Bull will fire Max Verstappen for being washed and uh, <laughs> Checo wins the title. Yeah, Head here there first.
0: Predict in the future, as you can see. (laughs) We did such a good job with our Monaco predictions. That's definitely going to come true. Right, the fans have also given us some. We've got Rasmustov. I apologise if I'm butchering these. Uh, One of the Red Bull cars breaks down and DNFs. This is a car fault, not a driver fault. Oh, no, it's going to be a deja vu of last year.
1: Sorry, WTF1 fans. Don't be too specific. You're just costing yourself points here.
0: True. Just say
1: don't need to go. DNF yeah. for a
0: Red Bull. There yeah. we go. Just you, as <laughs> somebody who that. has rinsed, yeah, rinse the system in this thing. Just be vague. Um, the Panchand says Daniel finally outperforms Norris. I love that prediction. Go on, bit of Danny Rick support. And then Mega versus Primus says a surprising winner. I don't know what that counts as a surprising winner. Whether that is Daniel Ricardo, cheeky little win.
1: I mean, that hashtag would be a I never left.
0: Hashtag retention. <laughs>
1: Hashtag, hashtag F.E.A.
0: Yep. Yeah. Damn straight. That was on his helmet this weekend. If you it know, was. you know.
1: Oh, God. I did see a tweet there that was like Daniel Ricciardo put in F.E.A. on his helmet and then finishing 14th. It's like, <laughs> or, um, was he 14th, 13th? Sorry, 13th. Um, yeah,
0: unbelievable. How dare you yeah. give Danny Rick on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> But no, it's all good. And so yeah, a surprising winner for Mega versus Primus. So
1: make sure
0: <laughs> That really would be the shock of the season. He's the only one the that decade. doesn't crash. Wow. Okay. Right. Well, you heard it here first. Thank you so much for joining us, Tommy. Do you have a final thought that you want to share with the group? Uh,
1: join us for the Monaco little special podcast. Yes. on Wednesday. Uh, that's and true. uh well, I don't know if this was going to be your final thoughts, but we're doing, we're also walking. Do you want I'm to doing exercise. That? It's yeah. a big deal. <laughs> For both of us, I mean, I do not uh, do much exercise. I actually, before we go uh, into what it was, you might know this from the watch along, but yeah, we're doing a, a sponsored walk and part of it, you have to log into Strava. And the only thing on my, <laughs> my Strava app when I logged in, uh, I hadn't used it since 2014, And the only activity I got was basically that I went on a bike ride and had a puncture and I went 0.1 of a mile and just wrote in it, went out, had a puncture, went home, played computer games. And that's the only thing I've ever put on Strava. So I will actually be walking probably the furthest I've ever walked to try and get this, um, you know, raise a lot of money for charity, so
0: exactly so that's happening on Wednesday the 1st of June we'll leave a link to donate in the bio of this podcast and you can also find it on social um and so yeah any money that we raise will be going towards Blood Cancer UK which is the charity of the race media so that's what WTF1 is part of and it's a charity very close to our hearts as one of our colleague um colleagues has blood cancer so um it's a very special charity and why Tommy and I will be up at the crack of dawn walking more than we've ever done in our whole lives. So we might also try and do some Instagram lives or something similar, um, just to keep you updated with our progress throughout the day. So also make sure you're following us on social, if you want to see that and yeah, any kind of money that you have that you can part with as a form of a donation would be hugely appreciated. And, um, yeah, we'll we'll record maybe a podcast a few days after that and we'll probably still be in like an ice bath or something recording a <laughs> podcast. <laughs>
1: like that Marcus Ericsson Try to survive thing.
0: Oh yeah. Then they oh, like the fill out podcast.
1: Now. Yeah. Yeah. Started with started with talk of Marcus Ericsson and ended with Oh, Pokemon. that's a nice little funniest. Card up. Oh, oh, I need to find it. Sorry, I have to find the sweep because it did make me laugh, even though Um, It is pretty savage where someone replied about the, I don't know if you (laughs) saw it, you know exactly which one I'm going for, don't you?
0: Yes. Um,
1: Yes, it was Pascal Kenny underscore Leimner replied to, basically I said, imagine in 2018 when they were both in the F1 midfield saying that Sergio Perez would win Monaco and Marcus Ericsson would win Indy on the same day. Madness. Uh, And then Pascal replied saying, we all thought one of the 2018 Sauber drivers, obviously referring to Leclerc, would win today. Just nobody thought it would be Marcus Ericsson. Savage. Uh, Savage, but a very funny observation, to be fair.
0: Very true. Yeah, well done, Marcus. Nice bit of F1 news, I guess, if you can include that. Mm -hmm. Um, Pato Award
1: was very close to winning as well.
0: He was, yeah. And Paul Grosjean crashed out. I think just over halfway through the race. Um, so I'm sure there are plenty of Ericsson hit us memes floating yeah. around on social. But yeah. It was a good old Indy 500 as ever. Right. On that note, talking about Indy 500 at the end of a Monaco podcast, because why not? Um, we'll say our goodbyes. Thank you so much, Tommy, as ever for joining this podcast, talking all things Monaco. Um, Matt will be back at some point, I'm sure. I am going to be away for the Baku Grand Prix weekend. So I should be back for the race review poddy, but maybe not the pre-build up stuff. So hope it's a good race. Hope you will enjoy it. And yeah, once again, if you can check out the um, link for our fundraiser, that would be amazing. And we'll see you for this Monaco Is It Fit for F1 poddy waddy chat in the middle of the week. Goodbye.
1: Bye.